Amen. This week, I am going to share with you some things that have been really special to me. You know, I got a lot of things I was wanting to share this week. I really struggled to know what to do, but um, there's so much happening in my life. This is one of the most fruitful, productive times of my life. God is just opening up doors. All kinds of things are happening, and I've got a lot I'd love to share, but... What I've been doing lately is I've been going back and just studying through. I've been studying the book of Matthew and just some of these simple um, scriptures that uh, most of us have heard God has used majorly in my life. And I'm in a position right now where, man, I'm going back and renewing myself. And this has just got me all fired up. So what I'm going to do is share with you about two days in the life of Jesus recorded in the book of Matthew. And uh, actually, I'm going to go to the second day first because that's the most important thing that I wanted to share with you. And I'm afraid I, if I started at the beginning, I won't get to the things that I consider to be most important. So we're going to start on the second day. And if I have time this week, we will work back and come back to some of these previous things. But most of this, what I'll be sharing is in uh, Matthew chapter 13 and chapter 14. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14 tonight. And let me just mention, this is not really a plug in the sense that I want you to buy my product. But this is a book that we put out, uh, the Gospels Life for Today Study Edition. And what I did was harmonize all four of the Gospels. And I use this in my personal study. And I mean, I've been using this a lot in the last month or so because uh, this is... I forget now, but 20-something years ago when I started doing our Life for Today study Bibles, I was just going to put a harmony of the Gospels is what they call it, you know, because the uh, Gospel writers record all of these things, but they don't seem to all fit exactly. And so there are all kinds of harmony of the Gospels that they have out there that harmonize all of these different occurrences and the actual order that they took place in. And I thought it was going to be a very simple matter of just going and finding the harmony of the Gospels and, and using that format. And as I got to studying, there was all kinds of different harmonies. And they all disagreed with each other. And they all said that this is the right order and this is the right order. So I got to studying it. And every single one that I found, and I studied at least 20 something and went through them, they all said, well, we know that Mark was probably the first one and everybody copied him. And this is human error. And they just ruled out the Holy Spirit in this thing at all. It was like these were fallible men that made all of these mistakes. They didn't believe in the infallibility of the scriptures. So basically what I did was throw them all out and spent a year making a harmony of the gospels myself based on what I studied. And so anyway, this is, this is the gospels arranged in chronological order. And one of the things that this does, this shows you things that are common to all four of the gospel writers. Like for instance, we're going to be talking probably not tonight, but uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about Jesus when he walked on the water to go to um, his disciples. And did you know Matthew doesn't even, I mean, uh, Matthew records Jesus walking on the water and Peter walking on the water, but the other disciples don't record any of that. And if you were to read it in Matthew or, I mean, in Mark, Luke, or John's account, they don't even mention that. Mark is the only one who mentioned that Jesus would have passed by them if they hadn't cried out. The others don't mention that. To me, that is a major deal. I'm going to make a big point of that. And you only get that out of Mark's account. 
And it's only in, in John's account that you find out that after Jesus entered back into the ship, that the ship and the disciples were immediately translated to the other side of the shore. The other three writers don't mention that. And so see, if all you do is read the Gospels chronologically, it's hard to remember what all of these others have said, and it really helps to study them. So anyway, I'm saying that I've been studying out of this, and I'm going to be referring to a lot of these things. Some of you are probably wondering about how did he figure out that this is what happened on this day. It's because I've harmonized all of the Gospels, and, and it really helps to study it that way. So we have those available if you're interested in that. But let's turn over to Matthew chapter 14. And like I said, these are scriptures that the Lord has been using in my life for the last 20 or 30 years. He has spoken these things to me hundreds of times. And I'm in a situation right now where I'm believing God for things. God is doing things. And I have been going back and these things are speaking to me all fresh and anew. And so I want to offer this to you, believing that, you know, none of us are different. You may be believing for different things, but whatever you're believing for, it's the same principles that work. And uh, one of the tools of the devil is to make you think that your situation is unique and that what has worked for me won't work for you because you've got this different and that. The Bible says that there's no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And God is faithful to make a way to escape. There is nothing new under the sun. And the exact same things that the Lord was teaching his disciples and the way that he ministered to them here, it is the exact same things for us. And as I read these passages of Scripture, God has spoken these things into me. And man, I've been getting so much out of this that I just wanted to share this with you at this uh, uh, family Bible conference. And I believe that this will help you tremendously. The first part of Matthew chapter 14 uh, gives an account of Herod and how he arrested John the Baptist and eventually wound up beheading him. And it says in uh, Matthew chapter 14 and in verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard of it, and this is what it's talking about, heard of the beheading of John the Baptist. And you've got to remember Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said that John was the greatest man that had ever been born on the face of the earth by a woman up until that time. He was special. John the Baptist, in the Old Covenant, Malachi chapter 3, it says, I'm going to send my messenger before my Messiah that he will prepare the way and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And you know, I've never heard anybody else teach on this, but it, I've studied that and it sounds to me like that if John hadn't have prepared the way and have made things ready, that the first coming of the Lord could have been judgment instead of mercy. I'm sure that what happened is what God planned on happening, but you know what? We have a part to play with it. And if there hadn't have been those that have received, it says he would have struck the earth with a curse instead of bringing the blessing. That's a major deal. So anyway, I think that John the Baptist was super important, and that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus respected him, and when he heard of John dying, it grieved him. And you know what he did? He had his disciples separate. Let's get apart. Let's go rest. I actually took this passage of scripture one time and used it at one of our ministers' conferences and taught about how that even though that the needs are so pressing and that there are people who are constantly wanting, there's, there's always something 
that you could be ministering and helping people. I preach to the ministers that you've got to separate yourself. And I use Jesus as an example. How even Jesus, the sinless Son of God, had to separate himself and spend time alone with God and refresh. And I tell you, it was powerful. We saw a lot of ministers repent of the way that they had not been putting their personal relationship with God priority. But you see here, Jesus, when he heard of this, he departed uh, thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him uh, on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and he healed the sick. So he, if you put this in some of these other accounts, if you read it, it says specifically, come yourselves apart and rest a while. The reason he was going over to this desert place was to get away and rest. And yet when he got there, here were the people again, and there were so many needs that he started ministering to the people and meeting their needs. And as he did it, he ministered all day long, preached the word, healed the sick and things. And uh, it says... Uh, in verse 15, and when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. And so the disciples here were recognizing that these people had run around the lake. They had exhausted themselves. They had stayed there all day long with nothing to eat. It was getting towards evening. All of the 7-Elevens were going to be closed. There was no way for them to get their needs met. He needed to send the people away now so that they wouldn't faint before they were able to get home. And uh, so they they were recognizing the need, but what they were saying is send the people away and let them get their needs meant somewhere else. And look at what Jesus said. He says, and Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. Now again, this is a passage of scripture that a lot of people just skip over and they don't think much about it. But boy, God has spoken this to me supernaturally. And you know what? This applies to every single one of you. We are just inundated today with all of these needs. People are talking about our society. And, you know, if you've watched my television programs this week, I'm interviewing David Barton. And we've been talking about the heritage of America and where we've fallen from and how things should be. And, um, you know, you can get overwhelmed thinking about these needs and thinking, oh, God, how are you going to meet these needs? God is saying you meet these needs. And many of us aren't even considering this. These disciples, they saw the need, but they said, Lord, send them away that they can get their needs meant somewhere else. The Lord says they don't have to depart. You minister to them. And brothers and sisters, this may sound strange to you at first, but you know what? You are the answer to the problems of this world. And some of you don't recognize that. Some of you think, no, I'm not. Man, I got my own problems. How could I help anybody else when I'm struggling myself? The truth is you have the power of God on the inside of you. If you've been born again, you are the answer to the problems of this world. You just don't know what you've got. And praise God, we're here to to explore some of those things. I'm going to start showing you some things. And this is what our Bible colleges is about, is teaching people who they are in Christ and showing them what they already have. But we are the answer to the problems of this world. You know, I was discussing this this week with somebody and they were talking about how bad everything has gotten. I said, you know, you can sit here and talk liberal, conservative. 
You can talk all of these politics, but if you boil everything down to its bottom line, you know, the, the real problem in America or any country today is that we have departed from a personal relationship with God. Because of that, we don't have a moral compass. We are, it's all greedy. It's all selfish. There are people thinking, I don't care what happens to the rest of everybody else. Man, give me what I want. And they're just short-sighted. Those are principles. Those are concepts that are contrary to the gospel. If people really understood the gospel, if they were putting God first and other people second, did you know what? We wouldn't have the social problems that we've got today. We wouldn't have the economic problems that we've got. And I know that there's some of you thinking, oh man, that's a huge leap. You know, that had, our economic problems have nothing to do with this. All of our economic problems are based on greed, selfishness, people saying that I can have it now and I can mortgage my future these loans, you know, you can sit there and say that the banks shouldn't have done these loans. And then people can say, well, the Congress gave them all of these incentives. So it's actually the liberals that caught, and you can start blaming everywhere and all of these things. But you know what the bottom line is? If people weren't greedy and covetous, and if they didn't spend money that they didn't have, they never would have entered into these mortgages where you don't pay a penny on the principal. You just pay interest and let a train wreck happen in five years. Just mortgage your future and have a good time for five years and they forgot about it. All of that is because of morality, because people aren't following the guidelines of the word of God, because people are selfish, because people were just thinking about themselves. Did you know what? If you really had a relationship with God, God would tell you not to do those kind of things. The Lord spoke to Jamie before the stock market crashed and says, get out of the stock market, withdraw your money. You know, the Holy Spirit said he would show you things to come. But most people are so involved watching as stomach turns on the television and doing all of the things we're doing. We aren't listening to God. God would have told you to quit doing these things. So really you can sit here and try and blame it on this and that. And all of these things are a factor, but it really comes down to that people don't know who they are what they have. They aren't depending on God. And this is in a sense what the Lord was telling these disciples. He says, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. And you know what those disciples I'm sure thought us, Peter pulls his wallet out. Or I think it was Philip that said in one of the other accounts, he pulled it out and he says, Lord, 500 penny worth is not sufficient to feed all these people. A penny was a day's wage. So this is talking about 500 days wage. And you know, that's relative to different things, but just, I don't know what the average person makes today, but if you say it's 30 or $40,000 or whatever, that's only 365 days. So this would be the equivalent of us saying something like 50000 or $60,000 isn't enough to feed this multitude of people. They just looked at their own resources. They pulled out their wallet and they were looking in the natural realm. And yet Jesus said, they don't have to go anywhere. You feed them. But see, the disciples only thought about feeding them through their own natural resources. They weren't recognizing the spiritual power that they had, the things that they had available. They were just looking at meeting the needs of people in the natural. Boy, this is one of the problems of the church today. This is one of the things that God has spoken to me that has been a major drive in my life. 
because uh, some of you have heard me say this, but when the Lord called me, I was an introvert and I was very shy and timid and thought, man, God, I can't minister. I can't help anybody. I struggle. And you know what? The Lord had to teach me who I was in the spirit. He had to show me that I had capabilities that weren't just natural. And he had to start showing me how to minister to people. And, and uh, he told me, don't ever say I am a child out of Je uh, Jeremiah chapter one. I believe it's verse five, because when he spoke to Jeremiah and said, I've called you to be a prophet unto the nations. He spoke those exact scriptures to me in Dallas, Texas. I could show you the place and tell you. And he told me he had, before I was even brought forth out of the womb, he made me a prophet unto the nations. And Jeremiah said, oh, Lord God, I'm a child. I can't speak. And when I read that, I thought, God, that's me. I can't do this. And he said, don't ever say I am a child because you will go to all of the people that I tell you to. You will speak the words that I put in your mouth. Then he said in Jeremiah 5, 14, because you speak this word, I'll make my word in your mouth fire and the people would and it shall devour them. And I could give you hundreds of other times that the Lord has spoken things to me, but it's the exact same thing he was doing right here. He was telling these disciples, you guys are only looking at things in the natural realm. You don't know what you have in the spirit. You don't know who you are. You know, I'm seeing Alan and Debbie Moore back there and we just put out their testimony on one of the heal destiny stories. You guys wave at everybody. I'm sure we'll have them testify sometime this week. Maybe you saw he was the one that had the stroke and the doctor showed that one third of his brain is actually dead. Not only was, still is, is what they say. He's not supposed to be alive or breathing or walking and you're pretty healthy, aren't you, Alan? Stand up and let them see what a man that's miraculously healed looks like. Isn't that great? But see, many people experience similar things to what Alan and Debbie did, but the difference is they don't know what they have in Christ. They don't know that they have this same raising from the dead power. And so they accept the diagnosis of the doctor. Boy, if you haven't got that destiny story, you ought to get it because Debbie just stood there and she was polite. They kept saying, you don't understand. You aren't getting it. And she says, I understand, but you just don't know what I know. And she kept dealing with who she was in Christ, not just the natural. Many people experience stroke, experience heart attacks, experience problems, cancer, disease. But some people, they just fold when those things come because they approach it from a human standpoint. And who am I? And I, this is what the doctor says. And this is what I feel in my body. But the truth is that every one of us has the supernatural raising from the dead power of God on the inside of us. And you do not, you do not have to depend upon this world system to meet your needs. Now, I'm not criticizing those who do because they don't know any better. But you know what? You, we are different. And most of us don't know what we have. Most of us, if we would have been in the situation of these disciples, we would have been right in lockstep with them about, oh, send them away so they can take care of themselves. We can't meet the need. The Lord is saying they don't need to depart. You meet the need. You know, if you go into the average church today, if a person came in with uh, some terminal disease and if they went to the average pastor and they said, man, I'm, I'm blind or I'm deaf or I've, I've got this chronic problem or I, this or that or whatever it is. And if they went to the average pastor, you know what the average pastor would do? Say, well, what did the doctor say? 
Have you been to the doctor? Have you tried this pill? Have you tried this operation? And again, I'm not against those things. If it hadn't been for doctors, all the Christians would have been dead because they didn't know how to believe God. So I'm not against doctors and I'm not saying they're of the devil, but I'm saying, man, we ought to leave the doctors for people that don't know Jesus. You have the raising from the dead power and Christians should not be saying, well, go to the doctor and do everything else. And only if you can't meet that need some other way, well, then we'll pray and ask God if he'll meet it. They don't need to go someplace else. You know, I'm not going to preach on healing tonight, but Jesus, if doctors would have been God's system, then Jesus did not represent God faithfully. Because he did not impart medical knowledge. He did not send people to the doctors. Matter of fact, he took people like the woman with the issue of blood that had spent all of her money on doctors and had wasted everything and he went ahead and healed her. Jesus did not refer people to doctors. And some of you are thinking, well, uh, they weren't as sophisticated as we are today and it's a totally different situation. I tell you what, there's a reason why doctors have the highest malpractice insurance of any profession in the world. I have actually had uh, gospel truth seminars where I've had as many as 15 people in a row come to me and ask for prayer who have gone blind, who are deaf, who are in wheelchairs and on and on and on because of botched operations, because of mixing medications and different things. Again, I've got doctors that are friends of mine. I'm not against doctors, but I'm saying they're just human. It is not God's answer to the problem. The Lord didn't teach us medical knowledge and stuff because if you have faith, there is nothing that a doctor can do that faith can't do better. We do not have to depend upon this world system to get our needs met. And I know some of you are bristling right now and saying, boy, I don't like this. Well, those disciples probably thought Jesus was unreasonable about There's 5,000 men, not counting women and children, and you're wanting us to feed them and we don't have any money. They probably would have thought that that was unreasonable. But you know what? Of course, Jesus was reasonable. Jesus was saying the truth. Brothers and sisters, we have the ability to minister to people. Every one of you knows somebody who's struggling, who's hurting, who's dying. And if we would start recognizing who we are and what we've got, if every person here, there's about a thousand people here tonight. If every person here was to get hold of this one truth that we don't have to be sending people to the doctors, to the psychiatrist, to the government, to welfare, that we can teach them the word of God. We can take our power. We can meet the needs of people. If we would get hold of this and if every one of you went out of here and started ministering to family members and people that you work with, and if you got hold of this truth and started living that, I guarantee you there would be a fire started right here that could go throughout the world. It could change the world if every single person here would take the power and the ability that God's placed on the inside of you and start using it to minister to people. One of the things we do with our Bible college students is make them go on a foreign missions trip and we make them minister. We put them in front of people and make them do things that they don't want to (laughs) do. I'm looking at Tom Decker right here and Tom Decker didn't say two words to me the whole time he was in school. And then he went on a missions trip to Kenya, wasn't it? Was it Kenya? Kenya and Uganda. Wave at him, Tom. 
And he went over there and they forced him to get up in a church and speak. And I don't know what he spoke on, but the power of God fell. The pastor and every person in the church fell out under the power of God and were laying on the floor. And Tom didn't know what to do. Everybody was out, so he just left. And you know what? It started a fire under Tom and he came back and he went over and ran our school in the UK for what? Three years. Tremendous blessing. And man, Tom and Leslie and Mary's coming to school this year. Uh, What a blessing. And you know what? It's changed their life and he had it on the inside of him. But you know what? He didn't know he had it until he started hearing the word of God and finding out who he is. The truth is every one of you have the power and the anointing of God on the inside. And we don't have to go begging to other places to get our needs met. And and all of the people that you work with and your friends and relatives, they don't need to go somewhere else. If you knew who you were and what you had, if you were to start using this, we would see the power of God in demonstration. That's what all of these Bible college directors, man, I'm, I'm seeing these people and giving testimonies. And I remember when you came to school. And I remember what you were like when you first came in. And you know what? You were, the, you were the same in the spirit. The thing that's changed is your knowledge of who you are. And because of it, there are multiple testimonies of people raised from the dead and miracles happening and people being saved and awesome things happening. Brothers and sisters, every one of us have that in it. See, the Lord's been, this is some of the very first verses that God spoke to me. This, this, this little passage, they don't need to depart. You meet their need. Some of you look at me and think, well, all right, you do that. No, this is you. This is you. You're the answer. You're the answer to the family members that are dying of cancer. You have their answer. You're the answer to people who are struggling financially. And the answer isn't just going and giving money to people that are panhandling and begging. That's not going to change a person's life. You need to tell them the truth. You need to show them the truth about how they can start giving and trusting God and believing and setting their hand unto something. God will bless it. But you have those revelations and those truths on the inside of it. You're the one that can change this nation. I believe that Christians should be involved in politics. I don't think that we should just live in a monastery. But you know what? It's not politics that's going to change this world. It's the gospel. And when you start getting individuals' lives changed and when they start doing unto others as they would have them to do unto them, then you're going to see this society change. And you'll see a lot of things happening. When they fall in love with God, that'll solve our social ills and all of these problems. And brothers and sisters, we are the salt and the light of the earth and the body of Christ has not been getting out of the salt shaker. We haven't let the salt get out of us. We aren't sharing it with other people. We're intimidated. We become politically correct, afraid of what people have to say. Boy, this is powerful. I can preach on this all night, but I'm really wanting to move on. But this really, I read this just a couple of weeks ago and I was thinking, boy, this, you know, this is amazing. I am actually ministering to people and helping be the answer to people's problems, seeing people healed, delivered, set free, saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I'm not sufficient for any of it in myself. But in Christ, I am. And I remember 40 years ago when God was speaking these things to me and he's still speaking it to me because you know what? I've got some big things in front of me and my first reaction is, God, I can't do it. 
But he says, you can do it. They don't need to depart. You don't need to let them go someplace else. You can do this. And I have to constantly minister this to myself. You need to recognize that Jesus was saying that you guys are sufficient. Don't send them anywhere else. You can be the salt and the light in your family, in your workplace, in your church. You can do it. You have that power on the inside of you. You just need to get your mind renewed and release that power. Amen. Ashley and Carly Teredes over here, you know, they're, they're the ones with Hannah, the little girl that was healed in England. And Ashley and Carly now are at, was it Chicago that you prayed with the lady that had the multiple sclerosis? The woman with that drop foot. And, you know, here they were just, how many years ago has that been? Four years that Hannah got healed? Four years ago that Hannah got healed. They had just started hearing the word about two weeks Got their daughter, who the doctor said had less than a week to live, totally healed. And today she's alive and well. And, and in four years' time, did you know that Ashley and Carly are now ministering to people? A woman in Chicago had uh, multiple sclerosis and could get it. She could stand and she could shuffle, but she could not walk on carpet. Hadn't walked on carpet in 10 years. And she was waiting in line for me to pray. And it was time for the service to start. She knew she wasn't going to get there. And she was just broken hearted. And I, I forget if it was Melinda or Ashley and Carly. But anyway, somebody came up and said, would you like us to pray? And they prayed with her. And this woman was healed of multiple sclerosis, walked all around that place, climbed stairs and was set free. And did you know that Ashley and Carly had that power in them four years ago when their daughter was dying, but they didn't know it. They didn't know how to release it, but they had it in there. And there's really no difference in them now and then in the spirit. It's all in what they know, how they've renewed their mind and how they're beginning to release it. But they had that power in them before. You have that power in You've got raising from the dead power. You've seen people around you die that you could have raised. You've seen people around you suffering and all kinds of things. You have this power. You just need to find out who you are in Christ. I know some of you are looking in the mirror and thinking, no, it's not there. It is there, but it's not in the physical. It's in the spiritual. So see these disciples, I'm sure that they just overdosed when he says they don't need to depart. You give them something to eat. So you know what they did? They checked what they had. They had five loaves and two fish. They robbed that from a little boy. <laughs> they took his lunch and they said, all right, here it is. Five loaves and two fish. So in verse 17, he says, and they said unto him, we have here, but five loaves and two fish. And he said, uh, bring them hither to me. Boy, I could preach on this all night. Again, these are things that God has spoken into my life that have helped me. And I'm sharing these things with you. But the Lord has told me that, you know what, if I just take what I've got and just give it to him, God can take next to nothing and use it. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, it says, you see your calling, brethren, how that there aren't many mighty, not many noble, not many of the greater call, but God has chosen foolish things of the world and base things of the world and things that are despised and things that are nothing to bring to naught things that are so that no flesh would glory in his presence. You know what? God doesn't pick the way men do. 
If we were picking, if we were wanting somebody to represent us, we would go through here tonight and we would see the people who are dressed the best, who present themselves the best, the people who have the best degrees, the people with all of the talents and the gifts and things. And those are the kinds of people that we want to choose and make them our representatives and our employees. It's like God was putting out a help wanted side. And he says, if you're base, if you're nothing, if you're despised, apply within. <laughs> Some people can't understand that, but it's because none of us in ourselves are worthy or sufficient to represent God. You know, in the, in the uh, religious realm, there are people who use their goodness and their talents to meet the needs of people and to a degree that th that's good. But the Christian life is not just you taking what you have and blessing people to the degree you can. God tells us to go out and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. The same works that I did shall you do also. There isn't a person in here that has the ability to do that in yourself. There's not a person in here that can heal the sick, cleanse the leper and raise the dead and do all of these things. God isn't asking you just to give your best and to do these things. No, he's wanting you to let his supernatural power flow through you so that he will get all of the glory. He wants something to happen that is beyond yourself. And the truth is, see, every one of us have this power on the inside, but we look at our own natural talents and abilities, try and meet the needs in our own effort instead of doing it supernaturally. God is wanting to flow through you supernaturally. And I can promise you that God is going to call you to do something that is beyond yourself. If you think, well, I could do this. This is something that I could do for the Lord. And so you spend your life dedicating yourself, doing something good, that is within your talent pool, your abilities, and you just give it to the Lord, then I doubt that you found God's will. God is going to call you to do something beyond yourself. Like me, I was an introvert. I couldn't look at a person in the face. I couldn't talk to them. This would have killed me to stand in front of a thousand people. I'd have died on the spot. <laughs> I couldn't do it. And God called me to speak in front of millions of people so that I'd have to depend upon him. And he's literally changed my life. God is going to call you to do something that's beyond yourself. And very few people do that. Most people only go as far as they can accomplish by just educating themselves, training themselves in the natural. But God is going to call you to do something that's supernatural. And so whatever you've got, it may not be much. Bring it to Jesus. Jesus will take nothing and multiply it. The problem is with most of us, it's not the fact that we are not enough. It's the fact that we're too much. I don't know if you understood that, but it's the fact that you are too dependent upon yourself. You think, God, you just get me introduced. You can let me up on the stage. You draw the crowd and I can handle it from here. That's the exact reason that God hadn't used you is because of your own self-reliance. There is a, there's something godly about doing something that's beyond your ability. About knowing that God, if you don't come through, I'm dead. There is no plan B or plan C. I can't do this in myself. God, I have to have your supernatural power. That is a wonderful place to be. I had a man come to one of my meetings in Denver. This has been many years ago and he had been called to the ministry 
And uh, a lot of things happened. His wife got mad and did not want to be a part of the ministry, wound up divorcing him, his children with, with his wife. And for 12 years, he had been just grieving and struggling because it didn't work out. And he came to a meeting that I held at the Phipps Auditorium in Denver and heard me minister saw people, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, miracles happen. And he wrote me a letter afterwards. My mother brought it in to me when she opened the mail. And uh, he said, he told me a story. And then he says, I thought that God couldn't use me because of all of these things. But he says, after hearing you and seeing God use you, I decided I'd go in the ministry. If God could use you, he could use anybody. <laughs> And my mother thought that was hilarious and brought it to me. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. If I was God, I wouldn't have picked me. But you know what? God chooses the weak things of the world. God glories in taking five little fish and, or five loaves of bread and two fish and feeding multitudes of people. Because man, people look at that and they didn't credit that boy and say, look what this little lad did. Well, the little lad had a part in it. He gave his his uh, meal to the Lord and was willing to share. But you know what? He didn't feed those people. This was God. God gets all the credit when, when five or 10,000 people get fed with next to nothing. Well, when you recognize that God, I'm not sufficient. God, I can't do it, but here I am. I'm available. Boy, God loves that kind of thing. And so those of you that feel unqualified, you qualify. Those of you who feel qualified, you aren't qualified. You aren't God dependent yet. God's going to bypass you. He wants you to get to a place where you say, God, help. And so he said, bring it to me. And so they brought this food to him. Verse 19, it says, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes and looked up to heaven and he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. We don't know how many women and children there were, but there was 5,000 men. I imagine there was a minimum of 10,000, maybe 15,000 people that ate off of this. And there's two things I want to bring out. I'm going to have to hurry to say this because, again, these are things I've meditated on thousands of hours. This has just revolutionized my life. It says that he took this bread and the fish and he looked up. You know, in the Greek, the word that is used here is anablepo. It's a compound word. And the word ana can mean two different things. It means up or it can mean again. And then blepo means to see. There's a number of times that this word was translated, people receive their sight. Like in uh, Mark chapter 8, it talked about the man who was in the town of Bethsaida and he looked up and received his sight. And there's 15 times in the gospel that this exact same Greek word was talking about that your eyes are opened is what it literally means. Uh, your eyes are open again or you, uh, you, you see with your eyes is what it's talking about. And so when it says that he looked up, the point is that this isn't talking about that he just raised his head. It means that he saw again our double sight is the way that one of the... Um, person who is explaining this in one of the things. It means to see twice or to see again. 
You know what this is talking about is Jesus saw with his heart. He saw by faith is what this is talking about. It's not just saying that he raised his head, elevated his head. It's talking about that he saw the potential in these little five loaves and two fish. The disciples, the problem with them was they were only looking at things in the natural. All they could do was see with their physical eyes. They couldn't see with their heart. I've got a lot of teaching on this. Uh, One of my favorite things to teach on is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, especially verse 18, where he says, we look at things that cannot be seen. That sounds like contradictory. How can you look at it if it can't be seen? Because there's things that you can see with your heart that you can't see with your eyes. And then down in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, after he had described about heaven and how we have a, a, a spiritual house or a spiritual body waiting on us, he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. The typical Christian life, the normal Christian life is to see with our heart, to see things that you can't see with your eyes. That's the way that God intends it to be. But most Christians today are just the opposite. We are only going by our sight. We only know ourselves in the natural realm. If you go on down to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 16, it says, um, have you got that, Carol? It says, um, wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, now, yet now henceforth know we him no more. This is talking about that he knows people by the Spirit. He sees people on who they are in the Spirit. If we did this, it would eliminate prejudice. There'd be no such thing as black and white colors, nationalities different. If we judge people based on the inside instead of the outside, we wouldn't judge people based on whether they're rich or poor, how they dress and all these kind of things. We're supposed to be walking by the Spirit. But let me make another application of that same thing. Not only is this, we're supposed to know other people based on the Spirit, but most of us don't know who we are in the Spirit. We only know ourselves in the natural. You know, if I was talking to you on the phone and you were trying to describe yourself, you could tell me whether you were a man or a woman. You know that. You could tell me whether you're short or tall. You could tell me if you're blonde or black-haired or bald. You could tell me things about you in the natural. But if I was to ask you, who are you in the spirit? Very few people know who you are in the spirit. Very few people respond to the problems that they experience based on who they are in Christ. It's all based on their natural self. People come to me all the time and say things, basically, I'm only human. What do I do? You know, and that's because you don't know who you are. You aren't only human. One third of you is wall to wall Holy Ghost. One third of you is identical to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have love, joy, and peace. The whole time that you're sitting down crying and depressed and talking about how bad everything is, your spirit is rejoicing. It is, it says in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And your spirit is always in union with God. The truth is you are rejoicing and jumping up and down on the inside. You just don't know it. You don't know what you got. And well, this is not what I feel. Your feeling part of you is not the real you. I could get off and preach on spirit, soul, and body, but, and that's a powerful truth in revelation. But most of us don't only deal with, we deal with other people in the flesh instead of in the spirit. But the sad thing is we deal with ourselves in the flesh. We only look to our natural abilities. We are wanting somebody to come give us a hug. 
We're wanting a physical feeling. We're wanting somebody to put their arm around us and pat us on the back when the truth is we have the power that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of us. We had the comforter who will never leave us nor forsake us, but we can't tap into the spiritual realm because we're so carnal. You know, Jesus had the exact same situation as the disciples. The only difference was he looked up. He was able to see with his heart. He was able to see beyond just the five loaves and the two fish. It was more than enough. No big deal. No problem. We look at things and think it'll never work. Boy, you know, God's been ministering this to me. I've got a $35, $40 million project in front of me. You know what? If I looked at that in the natural, (laughs) I'd say, send them away. Amen. (laughs) Let them go somewhere else. Pick somebody else to do this. God, I can't do it. But you know what? I mean, I, the Lord's just been ministering to me that, man, it's, we've got it more than enough. It's no problem. We're going to make it. But you have to see that by faith. You can't see it with your physical eyes. I don't have any physical proof of anything. But you hide and watch. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't think it's going to work either. You just hide and watch. It will come to pass. I was talking to some of these directors down here, and they were up at our lodge, and we had our meeting up there at this beautiful lodge that God gave us. And one of them was just, oh, this is awesome. I can't believe it. I said, well, it wasn't your faith, was it? (laughs) You know what? I believed it. That's the reason we got it. Praise God. You know what? I believe it. You hide and watch. Some of you don't believe it, but you just hide and watch. We're going to see a awesome miracle. We're going to see awesome things come to pass. It'll all come to pass. That's because I'm looking up. I'm seeing things with my heart that I can't see with my eyes. You know, I wrote some things down on a piece of paper, but I don't remember. Oh, here it is. Let me just show you some of these verses about looking up. In Psalms chapter 5, verse 3, this is a passage of scripture that the Lord gave me when I got married. Because, you know, I was going to be the Apostle Paul and never get married. And when God put Jamie in my path, we were engaged to be married before we ever held hands. It was awesome. But I thought, God, this is the most important decision I'll ever make in my life. If this isn't the right one, I'm dead in the water. You know, praise God for Jamie. God's doing great things in my life. And you know, Jamie, if she wanted to, could just make my life miserable. She could be saying, no, I'm not going to go into this building program. No, I don't believe that. No, I'm not for this. Praise God for a godly wife. Man, I knew that it was important that I got the right one. And I did. Thank you, Jesus. But here's the scripture that I prayed in Psalms chapter 5. It says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning I will direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. That's a verse that I prayed specifically over our marriage. You know, this when it says I will look up, again, this isn't talking about just raising your head. This is talking about that same principle, seeing with your heart, looking up. I've got about eight or ten scriptures here. I'm not sure I'll go through all of them, but it's every time. Once you see this, when Jesus looked up, 
It was talking about that he saw not with his physical eyes, but he saw with his heart. He saw again. He saw twice. He received sight is the way that that was translated 15 times. He saw things. He saw the potential. And brothers and sisters, we have to get to the place that we see with our heart that you look at your situation and say, this is no big deal for God. If you could see with your heart, every problem that you have would melt away. There's some of you that came here with the doctors telling you that you're going to die. And you know God can heal. And you may have came, come here wishing and a hoping and a praying. But you know what? You haven't seen it with your heart. Man, this week, why don't, you need to take these verses and you need to say, God, just like Jesus took something that was insufficient in the natural, but he saw with his heart. And because of that, a great miracle came to pass. The doctors may have told you it's incurable, but I told you we've had a person healed of cancer that's already testified about it. A person healed of leukemia. Here's a person back here healed of a, of a brain uh, stroke. Uh, here's people. Here's the um, Deckers that have been healed of asthma. And I mean, just miraculous things have happened. We got Scott Forsyth here that's on our healing journeys. It was healed of Barrett's esophagus, something or another. Anyway, it was bad. He was dying and he's supernaturally healed and alive and well. And here's Hannah Teredes and how many others? You know what? There's no problem with God, but the problem is we got to quit looking with our physical eyes and expecting only human natural results. And you got to be able to see when the rest of the world is saying it's insufficient. You got to be able to see that this is no problem for God. In the morning, you need to lift up your voice and lift up your eyes and see things differently than other people see things. Look at this in Psalms chapter 40 and in verse 12. Psalms chapter 40 and verse, um, what did I say, 12? says, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. Again, this is talking about more than just raising your head, but it's saying that, you know what, if you get to looking at just the natural things and the things that are coming against you, and if you get focused on the problem... If the Moors back there would have focused on what the doctor said and on the way Alan's body was looking, and if they would have been focused on those things, they wouldn't have been able to look up. She wouldn't have been able to see with her heart. She wouldn't have been able to operate in faith. And today we'd be talking about, praise God, Alan is with Jesus. And that would have been good, but there's something better. But see, you've got to be able to look up. And this is saying that when all of these evils, when all of these things in the natural are going on, it tends to grab people's attention and people quit seeing with their heart. They quit walking by faith. We've got to get to where we see with our heart. In Mark chapter 8, verse 25 is where Jesus ministered to this man that was blind at the um, town of Bethsaida and he made him look up. Again, that's not just talking about lifting his head. He made him see with his heart is what this is talking about. Luke chapter 21, verse 28, it's talking about that in the last days, man's heart will be failing them for fear, looking after all of these things. And if you got 21, it says, and these things begin to come to pass, then look up 
and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. This isn't just talking about look at the sky. It's talking about, again, the same thing that Jesus did. See with your heart. Get to walking by faith. We are in that time that this is talking about when things look like they're getting worse and you've got to get to where you can see with your heart or you're going to be overwhelmed. We've got to get to where we walk by faith. And there are just so many more. I wish I had time to do all this. You know, one of them, Acts chapter 7, verse 55, is where Stephen was being stoned to death. And Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, looked up and saw Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. This isn't talking about that he just raised his head. It's talking about he was in a crisis situation. He was being stoned to death. It was taking everything he had. And he looked with his heart. He saw with his heart. He looked beyond the natural and sure enough, the heavens opened up. And the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, I believe it's verse 13, that Jesus is, or verse 12, that Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. But Stephen saw him standing. The first martyr in the church. You know what? I believe that Jesus literally stood to honor the first person that gave his life for the cause of Christ. What an honor. And you know what? I believe that when he saw that, That made all of the suffering and the pain and everything disappear to see Jesus standing there honoring him. The truth is God is doing this with every one of you. There's some of you that are suffering and you feel terrible and feel like, man, God's a thousand miles away. The truth is God loves you, but you've got to look up. You've got to be able to see with your heart. You've got to go by what the word says instead of listening to what everybody else says, the doctor and the lawyer and the banker and everything. And you got to get to where you take the word of God and what God says about you. And it takes faith. We got to walk by faith and not by sight. I couldn't tell you how many times Jamie and I have been in situations where any rational person would quit. And yet we just saw things with our heart. We had a vision. We saw that God was going to bless us. Right now we're living in the blessing of God. We're seeing things happen. I was so blessed to hear all of these instructors and man, used to, if Jamie and I didn't do it, it didn't get done. And now things are getting done without me, in spite of me. People have caught the vision. They're out there and they're seeing people raised from the dead and miracles happening, life's changing. And I'm just looking at all of this and thinking, yay, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And you know, now we can see some things, but there's times that we saw all of this by faith and it was just us being able to see by faith is what kept us going. Man, you've got to see with your heart. And on and on I could go. I'm not going to turn to all of those scriptures, but they are powerful. You know, the, the offering that I gave in Luke chapter 21, Jesus looked up and saw the people casting their money into the treasury and saw this woman. He didn't just see her with his physical eyes. He saw her in his heart. He knew. See, he was seen by faith. He knew that this woman gave everything that she had. He looked up and saw Zacchaeus. And he called his name, said, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to go to your house today. That's not natural. That's not normal. This isn't just talking about that he lifted his head and saw him. He saw him in his heart. He saw him by faith. Brothers and sisters, we have a potential to live supernaturally, to know things that you can't know, to see things that you can't see, to feel things that you can't feel. And every one of us have this potential and we just aren't using it. We're walking as mere human beings instead of supernatural men and women of God. Jesus told his disciples, they don't have to depart, you feed them. They could have done what he did. 
And that leads me to my next point, and I'm just going to have to summarize this quickly. I wish I had time to turn over here and read all of this to you out of this Gospels edition. I've, I've gone to great lengths in here, but I want you to think about this. When Jesus blessed this food, it says, then he gave it to his disciples and his disciples took it to the people. And I've literally sat down and divided. I'm, I'm basing this on 10,000 people because there was 5,000 men, not including the women and children. There could have easily been 15,000 or more. But if you just take the figure of 10,000 people, and if you divide that among 12, that means that there was 800 plus people assigned to every disciple. And if you read this story closely, it says it was now towards evening. That means it was just, you know, it was late in the day. The sun was about to go down. So they just had a short period of time. And that's the reason he said, send the people away. I sat down and figured this out. If each disciple had to feed 800 people, and if they got an arm load or a basket load of food and ran and fed people until they ran out and then went back and got more, I figured I, I've, you could read my deal in here and get the exact statistics, but they had to make, I don't know, 30, 40 trips or whatever. And if you figure five minutes per trip... I sat down and figured out that the minimum amount of time it would have taken to feed these people is seven hours. And that's quick if they were running. And since it was towards the end of the day, how could this happen? The only way that this miracle could have happened is that the bread and the fish didn't multiply in the hands of Jesus. It multiplied in the hands of the disciples. Jesus didn't break the bread and pile up all of this food to feed 10 or 15,000 people. He took these five loaves and two fish and broke them and gave one little piece of fish, one little piece of bread to the disciple. And here's the disciple walking towards 800 people. <laughs> you know, there's about a thousand people in this auditorium. This would be like me saying, all right, everybody sit down, uh, wait, I'm, I'm going to feed you all. And I've got a little piece of fish and a little piece of bread. That's the only way that this could have happened is that it multiplied as they broke it and gave it out. And boy, there are so many lessons in this. I could preach on this for a couple hours. I'm going to say some things real quickly. But you know what? Most of us, when it comes to us meeting the needs of people, what we want to do is have the Lord multiply it and see it with our physical eyes, make sure that everything is there. And then we're going to say, all right, be calm. I'll meet the need once it's already proven. But see, that's not how God leads you. He'll lead you to go out there and go on television and you are an introvert and you don't have the ability and, and you go ahead and sign the contract and obligate yourself and you step out there towards all of these people with something that is insufficient. And the miracle takes place when you get up there. You know, I learned that when I first started ministering, I would say, oh God, please take away all this fear and stuff. And I'd try and get over it in my prayer closet. It's not how it happens. It's when the anointing comes on you. And when God begins to flow through you, it's when you're up here doing it that the power of God begins to flow. See, there are people saying, oh God, I want to be used by you. And I want to see the blind eyes open and the deaf ears open. And you're in your prayer closet wanting to have a tingling or a feeling or a vision or something. But you know what? God's not going to anoint you in your prayer closet. Your prayer closet doesn't need to be healed. 
God's going to anoint you when you feel nothing and you step towards the person who's blind or something. And as you begin to start doing what he tells you to do is when the multiplication takes place. That's when the miracle takes place. But see, we all want to get a huge pile of supply over here so that we can go back anytime we need some more. And then we're, oh God, I'll go feed them. I'll, I'll minister. I'll take care of what you told me to do. But God's going to send you out. And in the natural, it's going to look like what you have is insufficient. But see, it's been blessed. Jesus took this food that other people had cursed and says, it's insufficient. It'll not work. And instead of cursing it, Jesus blessed it. There's some of you looking at yourself and thinking, God, I can't do this. I can't do what you called me to do. It'll never work. And you're cursing yourself and you're cursing your situation. And, and you may not use those words, but you are speaking negatively and you're killing yourself. You're hung by your tongue. You got to get to where you start blessing yourself and say, you know what? I can do whatever God told me to do. See, in my situation, I could sit there and look at what God's telling me to do and saying, God, I can't do this. But I, instead, I, every time I drive by our sanctuary, I have to go by it every day when I come in. I always say, thank you, Jesus, for giving us this place. Thank you that we have all of the finances that we need. Thank you that we have all the wisdom that we need, that we have everything that we need. I bless it instead of curse it. You got to get to where you start blessing yourself and saying, I can do what God called me to do and start operating in faith. Anybody can gripe and complain. Anybody can look at the negative. Anybody can predict failure. Doesn't take any faith. A dead fish could float downstream. You got to turn around and swim upstream. You got to do something different. You got to use a little bit of faith. Amen. So we want God to supply all of the need and then we're going to go dish it out. No, God is going to just give you a little bit and say, go out there and raise somebody from the dead. And you aren't going to have a tingling. You aren't going to have a feeling. You're just going to have a word from God and you're going to have to go out there. And the, and the miracle takes place in your hands. That's the only way this miracle could have taken place. These disciples had to do it themselves. Man, it took tremendous faith on their part to go towards 800 people. You know what? Most people would have run. Like, I'm not going to go out there. Two people, I'm out of food. And all the rest are looking at me to meet their needs. But these disciples, even Judas Iscariot, operated in faith. And God multiplied. It wasn't because he was perfect. Of course, we realize that with 2020 that, man, there was things wrong in his heart. And yet he still obeyed God. And God multiplied the food in his hands. And great miracles happened. And you know what? God wants to do this for every one of us. You know, I'm in a situation like I've been telling you where I'm expecting this to happen. And I'm sinning. These things just minister to me again. I'm going and I'm heading towards a goal that is impossible for me to meet. It is physically, naturally impossible. And yet we're going to do it. And I have the confidence that God has blessed it. He's blessed. He led us to do this. We had one woman ask Jamie, do you really believe it's God that gave you this property and everything? And Jamie responded by saying, well, let's see. Uh, the best we could find in Colorado Springs was 90 acres for 20 million with nothing on it, undesirable. This is 157 acres with a $3 million lodge for $4 million, $4 million, $157, million lodge versus nothing for 90 acres, 20 million, uh, 
You'd have to be brain dead not to do that, amen. I mean, it's like God herded us in this direction. Man, there is no doubt that God has blessed us and told us, and I'm just heading in that direction, and God is going to multiply. And see, these exact same principles that I'm talking about are how, it's how you see the supernatural power of God operate in your life. You've got to believe that you have the goods, that it's not just the clergy. This is one of the things I talked to our prayer ministers about tonight. We're going to have people come up here and pray, Bible college students and people that have been through a training session with Melinda. And I said, there's people that think I'm the only one that can pray for them. But I said, man, people, we got to get people's attention away from a person and thinking that it's an individual. Alan Moore back here, I didn't pray for him. They heard the word and the word healed them. Scott Forsythe, I didn't pray for him. They heard the word and they believed. It's not an individual, it's Jesus. And there are, sure, people that have had their mind renewed, but we've got to get people away from looking at one person. And I was encouraging these prayer ministers that, man, you get out there and be aggressive and let these people know that you got the power of God in you. And you have to start getting this attitude that it's not just the clergy. It's not just somebody who's on television that has the power of God. Every one of you in here has the exact same power in the spirit that I have. The only difference in any person in here is that some people have their mind renewed. Some people can look up and see by faith, whereas other people are just going by what they feel and what the natural says. That's the only difference. And there are special anointings for like a gift of miracles and the gifts of healing, but I don't have any of those. I don't have the supernatural gifts. I'm just a Joe Blow believer. My supernatural ability is a teacher. When I pray for somebody, I'm praying the exact same as any of you. And yet I've seen three people raised from the dead and I've seen great miracles happen and awesome things happen. Every one of you have that same potential. You got to start believing that you don't have to send people someplace else. You don't have to go someplace else. You've got the power of God on the inside of you. You got to start walking by faith. Look up, look beyond the natural. See, receive sight and see with your heart who you are in Christ. Begin to start operating some faith. And then recognize that God is not going to supply all of the miracle in advance. And then you go out and take credit. You're going to have to head towards whatever it is that God told you to do with seemingly nothing. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to be willing to fail. You know, I'll bring this out more as we continue to go through this 14th chapter. But if you want to walk, walk on the water that Peter did, you got to get out of the boat. Many people want to walk on the water, but they are petrified of getting out of the boat. You don't want to take any risk. You don't want to do anything. You're, you're wanting everything to be safe. You'll never be a water walker if you don't get out of the boat, if you don't take risk. We were talking about this with our directors about some different things and talking about how that, you know, some of them have been through some hard times, but they were saying this is good. It weeds out the flakes. If we make it too easy... We can get it to where people just want to go on the mission field because I'm going to pay all their expense. They're, you need to be able to, you need to have the potential of failure. If you're really going to see the power of God operate in your life, you can't wait until all of the things are taken care of and there's no risk involved. You got to get out on a limb. 
That's where the fruit grows, is out on the limb. You got to quit hugging the trunk and get out on a limb where you're bobbing in the breeze, amen, holding on to that thing. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but that's where the fruit is, is out on the limb that doesn't grow on the trunk. If you want to see miracles, get out of the boat, take a risk. What if those disciples would have said, I'm not heading towards 800 plus people with this little bit of food. You know what? They took a risk. They were obeying Jesus and a great miracle took place. Can you imagine what that would have been like to just start down the aisle over here and start breaking off food and have as much left as you did? That didn't happen when Jesus did it. It happened when the disciples did it. It happened in their hand. You know, in a sense, this is what we're doing with our Bible college students, with these directors. You know what? We have blessed it. We've taken the word and given to them. And you know what? These miracles that are happening, nations are being changed. It's happening in their hands. It's not me that's doing this. We've blessed it. We've shared these things, given them to them. And they're out here sharing and changing things. And this is the way that God intended the body of Christ to operate is not that everything is done from the pulpit up here, but that, man, we're supposed to inspire you and you're supposed to go out and do exploits. You're the one that the miracle takes place in your hand. But see, you got to get this attitude. The points I've made tonight are you've got to recognize they don't need to depart. You've got the ability of God, the power of God to succeed in whatever it is that God's leading you to do. And then you got to take what little you got and give it to Jesus and bless it Instead of curse it, look up, see things by faith and recognize that the miracle is not going to happen before you get to the situation. It's going to happen in your hands as you're out there doing it, stepping out in faith. Boy, those are powerful truths. I tell you, if you could just get those things that I've talked about tonight and if every person in here could make application of this to your own life and start operating in what we talk about, I guarantee you we could change a nation. We could change the United States. Every one of you have that potential. It's powerful. Boy, the potential in this room is just amazing. Just amazing. Not only you individually, but the people around you that you could influence. Somebody that you could pray for or encourage and then they could go out and they may be the next Billy Graham. Who knows what all of our lives, the influence that you have. There's some of you thinking, well, I'm, I'm nobody special. See, again, you're thinking we can't feed them. They need to depart. They need to go to somebody else. You don't know. You have a realm of influence that only you have. You know, I'm spending millions of dollars on television and radio time. And yet there are people that every one of you know that will never hear of me if I spent 10 times as much money as what I'm spending. If I lived another 100 years, I'd never reach people that you know that you influence. Every one of you have a realm of influence that you may be the only real testimony, real witness that comes across these people's path in a lifetime. Boy, you don't need to underestimate the power of what God has done in your life. God has, there is a reason that you're born again. There's a reason that you're here. 
God has been moving in your life. I had at least a dozen people tell me that just in the last few months they've been watching him and their life is being changed. There's a reason that our paths have crossed. God's trying to change your life. And yes, he loves you. And yes, he wants your life to prosper. But you know what? He also has a plan. And there are people that every one of you influence. And he's wanting to do things through you. And if every person in here could get that message and just take these few things I've talked about tonight, I guarantee we could go out of here and change hundreds of thousands of people in a very short period of time. Hundreds of thousands of people are represented under your realm of influence. Hundreds of thousands. But you know what? We got we to gotta quit thinking that they got to go somewhere else, that we can't meet the need, that I don't know enough. There's some of you that have accepted the value of the world, the way that they've put it on Christians, that we are somehow inferior and we're ashamed and afraid of our opinion. Your opinion is better than a lost man's opinion. I don't care if he's got 32 degrees behind his name. You can have 32 degrees and still be frozen. <laughs> See, we evaluate things in the natural and we think these people are important and they're so much smarter than I am. If you're born again and you had enough good sense to repent of your sins and to make Jesus your Lord, then your opinion of God is better than a lost man's opinion of God. And I don't care who he is, how rich he is, how famous he is. You need to start recognizing that you've got an opinion of God that's important. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you've got the power of God living on the inside of you and you shouldn't be taking a back seat to somebody else and letting them talk about all of the things that are causing fear in people's lives and driving people to despair today. You shouldn't be thinking like that and you shouldn't be afraid to stand up and speak the truth and say that this is right and this is wrong. But we have let the world intimidate us because we're walking by the flesh and we're thinking, I'm just, I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. I'm not. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. I've been born again. I have God living on the inside of me. And I guarantee you what I have on the inside, in the natural, I'm not any better than anybody else. But in my spirit, I guarantee you, I've got the treasure of God on the inside of me. And I need to value that. And I need to recognize that my opinion does count. And I shouldn't be sitting here and just listening to this world and letting them dominate and intimidate me. You shouldn't either. And we need to find out who we are and what we have. And, and Jesus was telling those disciples, you could have done this. You feed them. And you know, he did this again a second time, just a few days later. And this time there was 4,000 people and there were seven loaves. So there was more food, less people. And he turned to his disciples and he says, how are we going to feed all of these people? And it says in John chapter six, this said he, knowing what he was going to do, but he was proving them to see if they would understand. Jesus was trying to get them to recognize that they could do this. And so he says, how are we going to meet all of this need? Now, this is just a few days after he fed at least 10 or 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Here he's got more food, less people. And he just says, how are we going to do this? And these lightning fast disciples, the reason they called them disciples <laughs> is because they weren't real sharp. They said, 
man, we don't have, well, how can we feed all of these people? They pull their wallet out and started pooling their resources. They totally forgot. They totally missed it. Man, how long does it take for us to realize that God has done something awesome? Do you know Jesus is here in this room tonight? The Holy Spirit is here in this room. The power of God is here, and yet many of us are living as if God isn't on the inside of us. We don't know the truth. Brothers and sisters, we got a lot of ground to make up. And you know, this is why we started our Bible school is because the Lord called us to make disciples. He never called us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. And the church isn't making disciples. The church is making converts. Did you know if the church was doing what Jesus told us to do, there would be no need for a Karis Bible College or any Bible college? This is an abnormal situation. We're doing what God commissioned the church to do. But God intended for us to make disciples. We need to start being learners of Christ. And it's not optional. This isn't just for the super saints or the full-time ministry. This is for Joe Blow Believer. Amen. Praise God. You know, I want to give an invitation tonight. If there's anybody here who is not born again, you need to be born again. That's absolutely essential because everything that I've been saying tonight about you don't have to send them away. You have the goods. You have the power of God. That is only true if you've been born again, if God lives on the inside of you. If you haven't been born again, it doesn't matter if you're a good person, if you're a religious person, it doesn't matter if you go to church or whatever. If you have not been born again, then you do not have the power of God on the inside of you. So you must be born again. And then once you get born again, Jesus told his disciples, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't pray for anybody, don't tell anybody about this awesome news of Jesus being raised from the dead until you receive power from on high and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. That's not all that there is to being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but speaking in tongues is one powerful gift. And I tell you, you are not going to be able to operate in what I'm talking about tonight. You are not going to be able to walk by faith unless you do receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. And I know that some people would debate that and say, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe you have to have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have the Holy Spirit if all you want to do is be born again and just survive and limp into heaven. But if you want to succeed, this, the Christian life isn't just difficult or hard. It's, it's impossible. You need the supernatural power of God. And speaking in tongues is a powerful, powerful gift. People ask me all the time, say, do you believe you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? No, I believe you could go to heaven quicker without speaking in tongues because you aren't going to have any power. You're going to let some disease, something kill you. No, you don't have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. And I'm telling you, it is a tremendous privilege. And if there's anybody here tonight who hasn't received salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. You need it without any exceptions. Somebody says, well, that's not what they teach in my church. Well, it's the truth. It's what changed my life. 
there are some of you that have heard things and you say, man, I like the fruit. I wished I could have my son raised from the dead. Some of those things happen. And yet I'm telling you what the root is that produced it. And you're saying, well, that doesn't fit my theology. If you like the fruit, you're going to have to accept the root that produced it. And I'm telling you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues is an important part of it. If you aren't sure, well, then you need to trust someone who is. I'm absolutely sure that every person in here should receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Is there anybody here tonight who would say, man, I'd like to receive one or both of those, and I'd like you to pray for me. Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you. Here's some hands. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Praise God. You know, I just said those things very quickly. There's probably more here that don't speak in tongues. But if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive here tonight. So let's give them a clap offering. Give God a clap offering as they come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. It's only going to change your life forever. Amen. It's awesome. You know, if you would, try and spread out this way. Don't stand behind people because I'm going to have people come up and lay hands on you. It would be easier if you just go out to the end and get in one line side by side. It'll allow our prayer ministers to come up here and stand behind you and pray for you. Before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues, the Bible says that you have to be born again first. You have to receive Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit and you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. So you can't receive this gift of speaking in tongues unless you've already been born again. Is there anybody here who's not absolutely sure, certain, whether you're born again or not? We need to pray with you first and help you to make Jesus your personal Lord. Anybody here that says, I need to do that first? Anybody, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Anyone? All of you absolutely certain that you're born again. I've got people pointing at somebody else, but you know what? It doesn't work for you to point at them. They have to raise their own hand. Have you ever made Jesus your personal Savior? Are you born again? You aren't? Well, then you need to be. Are you willing to do that tonight? Amen. Awesome. Anybody else? You know, I'm not trying. Here's another one over here. I'm not trying to talk you out of your confidence in your salvation, but you just need to be sure. And there's a lot of people that are just assuming. They're just thinking, well, I, I think I'm saved. That's not good enough. Do you just think you're, you were born? Man, you know you were born. If you've been truly born again, if you've been born from above, the Bible says that you have a witness in yourself and you know that you're saved. You know that you passed from death unto life. Is there, is there anybody else who's not absolutely certain and you want to be certain? Anybody? Here's some more right here. Praise God. See, if you aren't sure, you need to make sure. 
So what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you all in a prayer. Those of you who raised your hand. And the scripture says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's more than just saying the words. You have to be basically turning your life over and saying, I'm giving you control. I'm, I'm trusting you for my salvation. It doesn't mean you're promising you'll do everything perfectly because you can't fulfill that promise, but you're willing to let him control your life. So if you will confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. He's already paid for everything. All you've got to do is say, I submit, I yield, I receive what you've done for me. I make you my Lord. I believe you're alive and you live in me. Are you willing to do that? Y'all willing to do that? Amen. So let's everybody pray this prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer that you need to pray. And if you will say these words and mean it in your heart, you'll be born again right now. So let's just say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died for my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive, that you live in me. I am forgiven. I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. So do you believe you're saved now? The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you a whosoever? Did you call on the Lord? Are you saved? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. That's great. All right. Now, according to the scripture, everybody up here has been born again. You've made Jesus your Lord. So the Bible says that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what he created you for is to fill with the Holy Spirit. And the reason that's important is because that's what God made you for. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have him. So we don't have to beg. There are some people that teach that God is very hesitant to give the Holy Spirit, that you got to be holy before you can get the Holy Spirit. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you got problems in your life, that just means you're a prime candidate for the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't feel like that there's something that you've done that will stop you from doing it. He says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, whoever would ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll give it. And so God is going to give every one of you the Holy Spirit just for asking. So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're just going to ask. And then I'd like to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and we're going to lay hands on you because the Bible says that when they laid hands on people that the Holy Spirit came into their life. So we can actually release the power of the Holy Spirit into you by laying hands on you. So I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer and we're just going to ask one time, then these people are going to lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to quit asking and we're going to start thanking God that he did what he promised he'd do. And I don't care how you feel. Some of you think, but I, I don't feel any different. We aren't asking for a feeling. We're taking faith. I want you to look up like I was preaching tonight. And by faith, 
see that the Bible says that when they laid hands on them, that the power of the Holy Spirit came. When they asked, God gave. So we're going to ask, they're going to lay hands on you, and then I want you to quit asking and start thanking God. And just saying, thank you, Father, that I now have the power of the Holy Spirit. And at that time, after we lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands like this. Because the Bible says when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. He likes it. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. Amen. It's your way of saying, oh God, I yield. These are your spiritual antenna. And so we're going to ask. They're going to lay hands on. You're going to lift your hands and start thanking God. And then the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. So we're going to start thanking God with you in our speaking in tongues. And as we start speaking in tongues, I want you to start speaking with us. And I know some of you think, well, I don't know how to speak in tongues. What do I do? I've got a book that will explain all of this and, and we'll be glad to help you. But right now, if you're ready, you can start speaking in tongues. It's, the Holy Spirit's not going to take your mouth and make you speak. You have to speak and by faith believe that the Holy Spirit is inspiring it. That's what the Bible says. They spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the inspiration. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He inspires you. You do the talking, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So anyway, we're, we're going to explain all of this to you. But if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. If you don't know how to get started, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying. But your tongue's going to be unique to you. You won't be able to say what somebody else is saying, but it'll get you started. And once you find out what you're saying isn't the same as what they're saying, just keep talking. And it'll, I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit will flow through you. So everybody ready? Understand what we're going to do? I want you to say this. The Bible says that uh, believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. And I will speak in tongues. Amen. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you for these that got born again. Thank you for those who were already born again. And we believe according to the word of God that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we open up the doors of our temple. We invite you in, Holy Spirit. We ask you to come and fill us and give us power and give us this gift of speaking in tongues so that we can communicate freely out of our heart. We ask for it now in Jesus' name. And now we lay hands on you and we release this power of the Holy Spirit. We loose this anointing and say receive the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Father, thank you that this power is coming upon every single person. That they now have a new ability to communicate with you through in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's lift your hands and start thanking Him and praise Him that His Word's true and that He gave you the power of the Holy Spirit. Just start thanking Him. You can start in English if you want to, but thank Him out loud. Talk out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for filling me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's start praying in tongues. Let's worship the Lord. Let's speak right now. And as you speak in tongues... As you hear them speak in tongues, just join in with us. Start talking right now. I know it may sound strange to you, but you aren't using your head. You're using your heart. 
You're bypassing your brain, all of the doubt and the fear that's in your mind. And you're talking out of your spirit. There's no doubt. There's no unbelief in it. It's just out of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just talk right now. Some of you think, well, I don't know what I'm saying. God does. God does. The Holy Spirit, you're speaking with the tongues of angels, the tongue of man. You're bypassing all of your fears and doubt. It's powerful. Just worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, this is the power of God. It looks to me like every person here is speaking. Isn't this awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. We receive this power now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me have your attention, if you would, for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But you know, it's really important that you understand what happened. Some of you felt something. Some of you felt nothing. You know, when I first started speaking in tongues, I was expecting lightning bolts, goosebumps. And I was disappointed because it wasn't like that. And you know what? It hindered me for a while. But I finally have come to realize some things. And anyway, I've written all of this out in a book. I've got a book that explains scripturally about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. It'll talk about the problems that people have speaking in tongues. It took me three and a half years after I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, but that's because I was a Baptist. But you know what? Praise God, I finally got it. And now I explained all of those questions and wrong thinking that I had, and I put it in a book, and I'd like to give this book to every single one of you. It also has a part in it about what true salvation is. And so for those of you who prayed for salvation, it'll explain that. And we want to give this to you because it's important that you understand what happened to you tonight is more important than any one of you understand. I can promise you that. This is one of the great, great things in the Christian life is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. It's really powerful and none of you have a full revelation of what happened. So you need to get this book and understand and it will increase it and make this one of the important things in your life. So I'd like to give this book to you and uh, there are people that are there and they'll answer questions if any of you have questions. If any of you didn't speak in tongues or have a question about it, they are able to minister to you and uh, there's also people there that'll pray for you if you need prayer or anything like that. So this is Ashley right here with his Bible up in his hand. And if you would just follow him, he's going to take you right across the hall, give you a free book, help you any way that he can. Amen. So just follow Ashley real quickly and let him give you a free book. Let's praise God for all of these. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, also for any person watching by the internet, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or salvation, if you'll contact our helpline, 
at 719-635-1111. That's open from 4 a.m. until 10 p.m. Mountain Time every weekday. And if you will call, there is somebody that will help you and they'll be glad to send you this book or pray with you. We still have a few minutes. We've got 15 minutes of our uh, phone center being open tonight if any of you would like to call and receive that or if you'd like to receive prayer and let somebody pray with you over the phone. Praise God. Isn't that great? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. These are our Bible college students, directors, some of our partners that have been through a training session, and they're going to be down here to help you pray and believe and receive from God. I know that some of you have been stirred up tonight, and you're ready to believe God, and you're realizing, praise God, I don't have to depend on something else. Jesus can meet my need. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe you need a financial miracle, a deliverance or something. These are awesome people. Man, just powerful people. They're seeing great miracles happen. Many of these are the directors of our Bible college, good friends, people that are are being used mightily. And so we'd like to give you an opportunity to come. Is there anybody here that wants prayer? If you want prayer, just get out of out of your seat and come forward right now and let one of us agree with you and pray. We're going to have people standing here at the aisles and their purpose is to direct you towards a prayer minister so that everybody won't just get on one side. If you'll cooperate with us, we'll be able to pray for all of you. So if you want prayer, just come forward right now. We're going to believe God for miracles, and I believe God's going to do some awesome things. The rest of you, give everybody a chance to get out into the aisles and come receive prayer. Remember that we have DVDs and CDs of tonight's service already duplicated out here, and you can pick those up. Also, we have all kinds of product and ministry materials out there that are meant to help disciple you and tell you the truths that you haven't learned yet. So please take advantage of that. We'll be back in the morning at nine o'clock and we're going to have some of our Bible college directors ministering and I'll be ministering too. Leland Shores from Uganda is going to be ministering in the morning. It'll be a tremendous blessing. So praise God. Come and be with us. If you need to, you're free to go. I'm going to keep praying. And often we operate in the gifts of the Spirit and call out healings. And a lot of miracles happen. So you're welcome to stay and pray with us. But you're dismissed if you need to be. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree with these right now. And thank you, Father, that it's your will for every single person to be well. Every single person to receive the miracle that they need. We believe that you've already supplied it. So we just stand in agreement. We release your anointing right now to flow through us. And we speak healing to every physical situation. Thank you, Jesus. Man, people are being delivered right now of oppression. You know, I didn't minister specifically on depression tonight, but the Lord is just speaking to me that there's people that have been really depressed, discouraged, and God is just setting you free. Tonight, it's like you've looked up, like your spiritual eyes are open, and people are just being set free of discouragement, depression tonight. 
You know, if that's you, I'd like you to just stand up and raise your hand so that if somebody's already standing, I'll know that you're receiving this. But if you are being set free from discouragement, depression, if that word is for you, I want you to stand, raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for. And we're going to pray and see you set free. Praise God. Here's one over here. Here's one right here. Here's another one. Anybody else? Here's some back here. Be bold with this. I'm going to pray this won't work if you're seated. There you go. And I'm not asking you to do much, but you need to do something. Faith without works is, is dead. Just stand, raise your hand and say, praise God. I'm believing that this is for me. I'm getting set free. Father, I thank you for this right now. I release your anointing. And I thank you that this discouragement, care, worry, fear is gone. We break its power and command it to leave these people right now. Thank you that the word came and delivered them from all their destruction. Psalms 107 verse 20. Thank you, Father, that you have set them free and we receive this deliverance. Satan, we command you to flee now in Jesus' name. Depression discouragement be gone off of them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we loose your faith, your power to flow and to minister to them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Man, there's a supernatural peace. Supernatural peace. Some of you have even been thinking thoughts of destruction. It may not have gone as far as suicide, but you just, you're thinking about just sabotaging your life, quitting, running away. Man, the Lord is setting you free from that. And right now, you may not know the answer to your situation, but there's just a supernatural peace coming into your life that's letting you know that everything's going to be okay. You need to just receive this right now and let this peace of God rule in your heart, wash over you and set you free from this despair. Father, we agree we receive it. I believe there's people on the internet that that's a special word direct for you that God is ministering to you and setting you free right now. Praise God. You know, we still got a few minutes left, 10 minutes left for you to call into our helpline at 719-635-1111. And if that's you, I encourage you to call and receive. God will set you free. It's God's will. Father, we agree and we receive that in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Somebody here has been dealing with scoliosis, curvature of the spine. And God is setting you free from that right now. If you know that you've had that problem, I believe that this is God setting you free. I believe that you're being healed. If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who this is. Here's a lady right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's another one over here. Here's another one. Praise the Lord. Here's a man. Anybody else with scoliosis, curvature of the spine? Here's one. Father, we agree. And right now, I release your anointing to flow towards all of these. And we command this spirit of infirmity to leave these people now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Satan, you loose them and let go of them now. Thank you, Jesus. We believe that your power right now is driving that demonic thing out of their body. And Father, we loose your anointing and believe that your power is flowing through their body right now. 
and restoring to them the damage. Restoring what the uh, scoliosis has done to damage their body. Thank you for causing that spine to come back straight. Father, thank you that their body is back aligned. Some of you, part of this scoliosis, it threw your hips off. And because of it, you have trouble walking. You have problems, pain in your hips, your feet, a leg short. Here's the power of God flowing and restoring all of the damage that this scoliosis did to your body. Father, we just speak healing into them and believe that from this moment forth that their body recovers. And we thank you for that. Praise God. Father, we agree and receive it. I want you to start thanking God now and believe that God has set you free. Whether you feel it right now or not, the Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I believe that you are recovering from this moment on that the power of God is flowing in your body. Father, we agree and we receive this. We thank you, Father, for your power flowing and restoring unto them hips being healed, everything that was out of place. Thank you for your healing flowing in their bodies now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Man, I believe lots of people are being healed. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You know, tomorrow we'll share with you testimonies. We have our prayer ministers fill out things about what has happened. But I know that lots of people are being healed. Praise God. Just like we've seen cancer, leukemia healed, other things. We're going to see the same thing happen here. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you the glory. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to depart from you for our finances, for our health, for our emotions, for wisdom. Thank you that everything that pertains unto life and godliness is given unto us through the knowledge of your Son. So, Father, we just receive it. Thank you that every one of these has been healed, that your healing power is flowing in their body. Thank you that everyone is delivered. Everyone is set free, encouraged by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we agree and we just receive these things tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Amen. Awesome. Well, it looks like everybody who wants prayers being prayed for. So praise God. I'll let you go. Remember, we're going to be back at 9 o'clock in the morning. And please don't miss it. it you'll enjoy these uh, international and national directors of our Bible college. They'll be a blessing to you. So we'll see you at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Praise the Lord.